آیا نمبر نائنٹی ون مت خدا اللہ There has never been with Allah any God, any deity. Why? Because He is one and He has always been one. None is equal to Him. And if there had been a God with Him at any point in time, then what would happen? إِذَنْ then لَذَهَبَ Surely He would have gone. كُلُّ إِلَهٍ Every God. بِمَا with that which خَلَقَ He created. Meaning if there were multiple gods, then what would they do? Each would have taken what? That which he had created. Each would have taken authority over what he had made. وَلَا عَلَىٰ And surely, عَلَىٰ He would have sought to overcome. عَلَىٰ is from عُلُو And عُلُو is to be high. Meaning each would have tried to gain superiority بَعْضُهُمْ Some of them عَلَىٰ بَعْضْ Over others. Meaning there would certainly have been rivalry, competition. Subhanallah. Glorified is Allah. Perfect is Allah. عَمَّا Above that which يَصِفُونَ They describe. Meaning they describe about Allah that He has partners or that He has children. What do we see in this ayah? Two things are being negated. First of all, that Allah has a child. And secondly, that He has a partner. Allah has no child and He has no partner. Because having a child, what does that mean? Having someone who is similar to you. Right? Because a child certainly possesses some of the qualities of their parent. Right? Whether they're physical or otherwise, they do possess the qualities of their parents. So if God was to have a child, then what would that mean? There is someone who resembles him. Right? And that would mean that God is not unique. Having a child means beginning of procreation. Right? The extension of the family. There was one person, now he has a child, and now the family will grow and grow. So if God were to have a child, then what would that mean? He would have multiple partners. He would lose his uniqueness, his supreme authority. That supreme authority would be divided. Does that befit God? No way. And if God were to have a child, then that child would also be a God. Now, child God? That itself does not make sense. That itself does not make sense. Because being a child means being lesser. Right? There's someone who's greater than you. How can that befit God? It doesn't befit Him. He is one. The supreme authority. مَتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ مِنْ وَلَدٍ He does not have a child. He does not need a child. It does not befit him to have a child. And وَمَا كَانَ مَعَهُ مِنْ إِلَهِ And there are no other gods with him. Not even one more god with him. He is only one god. Because if there were multiple gods, then what would happen? There would be no harmony. There would be no peace in this universe. There would be total chaos. This universe would have been destroyed. It would have been devastated. Because if you think about it, the sky and the earth, isn't there a deep connection between them? 
Just think about it. The earth, it will only grow something when water falls on it. When there's sunshine. Right? Water falls, sun shines, and as a result, the earth produces. Water cycle. Right? It's a cycle. There is a system. And many systems that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. Which means that everything is working with the other in harmony. Why? Because there is one being that controls all of this. One being that controls all of this. I mean, think about it. Our food also. Isn't that deeply connected with bees? Have you seen the bee movie? Right? What happened when people stopped taking honey? What happened? Bees didn't need to make honey. Then what happened? No need to collect pollen. Right? And that meant no flowers, no pollination. No flowers, no fruits. Right? I mean, it's just a movie. But what does that teach us? That we have a deep connection with bees even. Don't we? Our survival depends on what? On bees. They do their job and we get our food. Which means that the controller of bees, the maker of bees, is also our maker and our controller. Right? The one who rules over the sun and the moon and the earth and our bodies and everything else is who? One being. Right? And this is an evidence that there is only one God. There is only one Rabbul Alameen. What's Alameen? Worlds. There are multiple Alam, right? The world of the bees and the world of the ants and the world of people and the world of birds and the world of the fish and the world of the whales and the world of the sharks. And each is connected, interwoven with the other. Isn't it? I mean, if you study ecosystems and if you study just any kind of wildlife or any aspect of this creation, what do you see? Each is connected with the other. Each is deeply interconnected with the other. And that means there is only one Rabbul Alameen. There is only one God. Because if there were multiple gods, then there would have been rivalry, competition. Each would have separated himself from the rest. And that happens, right? I mean, think about it. If there is one earth, and this earth is ruled by multiple people, what happens then? One empire fights with the other. Correct? They manage to get more land. And then there's backlash. And then there's more wars and more battles. What? So many lives are lost. Right? So many businesses are destroyed. So many books and libraries are ruined. Universities, places of education, they are destroyed. Aren't they? How much humanity has suffered because of wars that have happened between people. Imagine if there were multiple gods and there were wars that occurred between gods, what would be the state of this universe? What would be the state of this universe? It would be chaos. It would be destroyed. So over here in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us a very logical proof of tawheed. A very logical evidence of the oneness of Allah. He does not have a child and he does not have a partner. He is one, unique, ahad, la sharika la, lam yakun lahu, kufuan, ahad. There is none who is equal to him. Alim al ghaybi. He is the knower of the unseen, was shahada, and the witnessed. What is ghayb? That which is hidden from the eyes. And what is shahada? That which is visible. Allah knows that which is hidden 
and that which is exposed. Because He alone is God. He alone possesses this quality. فَتَعَالَى So He is exalted. عَمَّا Above what? يُشْرِكُونَ They associate with Him. He is one, unique, far above what they associate with Him. قُلْ Say, O Prophet wasallam, say, Rabbi, O my Lord, imma if turiyanni, you should show me turiyanni from the root letters, rahamzaya, raa, rai. What does that mean? To see. So turiya, you make to see. Who ni me? You make me see. In other words, if you show me, ma that which you adun, they are promised. Who is they? The people of the Prophet ﷺ. And where was he when this ayah was revealed? In Mecca. So the mushrikeen, because of their continuous denial, what was imminent? What was necessary now? Punishment. And the stories that are mentioned in the surah, what do they prove? That after a while, if the people do not believe, if they don't change, if they don't surrender, then what happens? The door, the gates of punishment are opened up on them. So the Prophet ﷺ is told to say, that my Lord, if you show me what they have been promised, what is it that they have been promised? Punishment. Meaning if the punishment is to come in my life, if it is to come in my presence, Rabbi, O oh my Lord, فَلَا تَجْعَلْنِي Then you do not make me فِي الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ In the wrongdoing people. Meaning, Ya Allah, take me out of them before your punishment befalls them. Allah says, وَإِنَّا And indeed we, عَلَىٰ upon On that, نُرِيَكَ We show you, مَا نَعِدُهُمْ That which we promise them, لَقَادِرُونَ Surely ones who are capable. Meaning we have full ability to send this punishment in your lifetime. Don't think that it is far. It can come in your lifetime. What do we see over here? The Prophet ﷺ is being instructed to seek protection from the punishment. If, it would come upon his people during his lifetime. This is a severe warning for his people that this punishment is not far. And this was also a cause of great concern for the Prophet ﷺ. An encouragement for him to strive harder, to work harder, to not give up and to keep striving. Because if they don't change, if they don't believe, then this punishment is real. It is not too far. And this is why we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he never gave up doing da'wah. I mean, if we were in that position, perhaps we would have given up. Because we tell somebody something once, and if we don't get a positive response, we seal our mouths forever. We don't dare speak again. We don't dare try again. The Prophet ﷺ would go to the streets of the marketplaces, and he would go to the places where the hujjaj had camped in Mina. And he would go on calling people, Ya ayyuhannas, qulu la ilaha illallah, tuflihu. Oh people, say la ilaha illallah, you will succeed. And you know, a crowd would gather around him. A crowd would gather around him. People would follow him. What is this guy saying? That's so weird. That is so strange. And Abu Lahab especially would go around following the Prophet ﷺ, humiliating him. Saying to the people, Oh, people don't listen to him, ignore him. He has gone against the religion of our forefathers. He has abandoned our idols and he has insulted us and humiliated us and don't listen to him. Put yourself in that position. Would you try again? 
Would you try again? That you said something and somebody came and just washed away everything you did? We wouldn't even try again. But the Prophet ﷺ, knowing that the punishment is real, it could come anytime, what happened? He was determined to keep trying. He did not give up. He did not give up. And at the same time, this is a warning for us also. Because if you think about it, shirk, what is it? Is it just an action? Is it just a way of life? What is it? It's a crime. A crime that angers Allah. It's an action that Allah detests. He hates. He dislikes. So serious is this, that because of it, the skies would rent asunder and the mountains would collapse. Isn't that what we learn in Surah Maryam? That when people associate a partner with Allah, they say that he has a child, and this is so serious that mountains would collapse, the sky would rip apart, this earth would be finished. So serious is this crime. So then how can we feel secure in a place where shirk is being committed? How can we feel safe in a place where Allah is not being given His haqq? Where things, where actions that Allah dislikes are being committed openly. If Allah's wrath descends there, and that is justified, if it does, it's justified, then what are we doing there? What if we get caught in it? What if we are there when the punishment of Allah descends? The Prophet ﷺ, the Muslims are being taught basically that never feel safe and secure in a place where wrong is being done. Where Allah's laws are being violated. Where partners are being associated with Allah. How then can we relax in a place where right across from our seat someone has a cup, has a glass of alcohol. Or how can we have fun in a place that is blasting with music? Where haram is being done openly. How can we feel secure? How can we feel safe? What if Allah's punishment descends there? What if it comes right there at that time? The Prophet ﷺ is taught, قُلْ Make this dua and we should also make this dua. We should also make this dua that Rabbi Imma Turiyani Ma Yuadun Rabbi Fala Tajalni Filkumilbalimin. Because you see where something wrong is being done, we shouldn't be there. We should not be there. Just think about it this way. If you are in an examination hall, and I'm talking about university, not Al Huda. If you were at university and you're writing your exam, and the person sitting next to you is cheating openly. Openly cheating. Would you look at them and talk to them? Or would you pretend as if they don't exist at all? What would you do? You'll pretend as if they don't exist. If you are sitting somewhere and people start talking about strange things and like really serious things like terrorism and bombing places and things like that, what do you do? Get away from here. Run away. Right? I don't know these people. Delete contact. Right? Unfriend. They're not my friend anymore. I don't know them. They don't know me. Why? Because in case they get caught, I don't want to be associated with them. Don't these things happen in our lives? They do, right? 
If ever we come across someone who is even a little bit fishy, we keep away. We keep away. Our parents tell us, don't go to that place. I don't want to see you with that person. I don't want to see you near this individual. Keep away. Because if they get caught, you don't want to be in trouble. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ is told that if the punishment of Allah descends on these people, you don't want to be among them. So ask Allah to protect you. رَبِّي فَلَا تَجْعَلْنِي فِي الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ And this gave the Prophet ﷺ motivation to keep striving, keep trying. إِدْفَعْ Repel. بِالَّتِي With that which هِيَ أَحْسَنْ It is best. السَّيِّئَةَ The evil. Meaning when the evil is done to you, then repel that in the most beautiful way. Don't repel it with violence, rather with patience, with calmness. Because you see, when you see wrong being done, just imagine if you see an idol, and you know shirk is wrong and you hate it, do you get angry in your heart? And what do we think? Oh, go break the idols and go, you know, tell everybody and be violent here and show your hamiyah and your loyalty to Islam. The Prophet ﷺ in Mecca, what was he told? You're not allowed to be violent at all. Even if somebody comes and hits you, you're not going to hit back. You're not going to do that. You have to repel evil with good. نَحْنُ we أَعْلَمُ No best بِمَا يَصِفُونَ With that which they describe. They're wrong, meaning their shirk, it angers you. It angers you. But Allah is more worthy of being angry because partners are being associated with Him. If He is tolerant, you should also show some tolerance. If He gives time to people, you should also give time to people and correct them gently. Not violently, gently. Because it's amazing, if you look at the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca, 13 years, the Muslims are being persecuted, tortured, abused, and what are they told? Patient, patient, patient. You wonder why? Because people need time. إِدْفَعْ بِلَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنْ This is why in Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 199, the Prophet ﷺ was told, خُذِ الْعَفْوَةِ Hold on to pardon. Grab it. Don't let go of it ever. Always pardon. And this is why when Abu Jahl and people like him would come and you know, abuse the Prophet ﷺ physically and attack him verbally, at one occasion Abu Jahl took a rock and he threw it at the Prophet ﷺ, injured his head. And what was the reaction of the Prophet ﷺ? Calm. Calm. No retaliation. Because khudil afwa. Repel evil with good. And realize, if you're getting angry... Allah knows what they're doing. He has more right to be angry. But if He gives time, and He is patient, and He is tolerant towards these people, then we should be even more tolerant. This is the reason why when the Prophet ﷺ, when he went to At-Ta'if, and such a huge tragedy happened over there, that people chased him out, pelting him with stones, and the Prophet ﷺ was offered by the angel of the mountains, if you want, I will bring these two mountains together. What did the Prophet ﷺ choose? He chose to forgive. He chose to forgive. And this is not easy. إِدْفَعْ بِلَّتِهِ أَحْسَنْ But at that time, shaitan makes us angry. Right? So, وَقُلْ say, رَبِّ أَعُوذُ بِكَ Oh my Lord, I seek your protection. مِنْ هَمَزَاتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ From the incitements of the shayateen. Hamazat is the plural of hams. What is hams? Dalt. Poke. 
poke the person sitting next to you? Gently. Now imagine if that poke was really, really harsh. Would that cause you to move and give a look to the person sitting next to you? Would that make you angry? Yes. So this is what hums is. You know, a thought or something that comes from shaitan, it pokes you, triggers you, so that you get angry. You get angry. You get emotional. You get upset. Hums also means asr, to press, to squeeze something so that all the juice comes out. So just imagine shaitan comes and he presses us and squeezes us so that some negative reaction can come out. So say, Oh my Lord, I seek protection with you from the hamazat of shayateen. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ And I seek your protection. Rabbi, Oh my Lord, أَنْ يَحْضُرُونِ Lest they should be even near me. يَحْضُرُونَ From hadara to be present. Because the worst companion is who? The devil. You see, when we're hurt, when somebody hurts us, when somebody says something to us, we are weak. Emotionally, we are weak. And shaitan takes advantage of that time. He pokes us in order to get some negative reaction from us so that the situation becomes worse. But you see, if somebody has said something nasty to you, if they've said something rude to you, if they've said something really hurtful to you, you will only respond if you decide to respond, if you choose to respond. Shaitan wants that we choose to respond. We choose to show more anger. This is why he pokes us. You know, because when somebody says something to us, we interpret that, right? We interpret that. So for example, we're sitting and somebody says, how come you're still sitting? And we say, we think, why does she have a problem with me sitting? Who is she to ask me? Right? I've been working all day, and finally when I sit, look at them, look at her. She has a problem with me every time. You know what? And then you give such a nasty response. Why? Do you have to pay a bill or something when I'm sitting? Right? We say like something more rude. And then what happens? It leads to an argument. They said something mean. It wasn't even mean in the first place. They just asked a question. We interpreted it negatively. And this is why a conversation turned into an argument. Why did we interpret that negatively? Because shaitan poked us. He poked us with a negative thought. He pushed us to think negatively. So something that was so calm turned into a huge argument. And you see the Prophet ﷺ, the way he reacted when people hurt him, it totally calmed the situation down. You know, every time I think about this Abu Lahab following him, if you or me were in that position, what would we do? Turn back and give Abu Lahab a punch. Right? Like, get out of my face. What's wrong with you? What's your problem? Mind your own business. Leave me alone. I've had enough of you following me around. Stop haunting me. Stop stalking me. And so on and so forth. Right? But do we ever learn the Prophet ﷺ did anything like that? He ignored Abu Lahab and kept doing what he was supposed to do. رَبِّ أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ حَمَزَاتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ رَبِّ أَنْ يَحْضُرُونَ Because shaitan is after us. He wants us to be upset. He wants us to be angry. He wants us to ruin our relationships. He wants us to destroy our deeds. So shaitan's waswasas, they keep coming, making us upset. Say, 
رب اعوذ بك من همزات الشياطين واعوذ بك رب ان يحضرون everybody say it so anytime somebody says something that bothers you that annoys you say this anytime you feel like reacting negatively say this because it's only shaitan who wants you to choose the bad option because we choose our reaction we choose our words we decide how we want to react how we want to behave we have the choice nobody can force that on us and we want to choose that which is ahsan not sayyi'ah and for that seek allah's protection against the shaitan we will listen to the recitation We'll do a quick review of these ayat and then we'll continue the lesson. Allah has not taken any son, nor has there ever been with him any God. If that was the case, then each deity would have taken what it created and some of them would have sought to overcome others. Exalted is Allah above what they describe. He is nor of the unseen and the witnessed, so high is He above what they associate with Him. So in these two verses we learn about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah has no partner, it is illogical, it is not true, it is not possible that Allah would have any partner. And those who associate partners with Allah, the Prophet ﷺ was sent to warn them. But what happened? Despite the fact that he warned them, he proved to them that shirk is illogical. They were firm upon their false ways. So the Prophet ﷺ was told, قُلْ رَبِّ إِمَّا تُرِيَنِّي مَا يُعَدُونَ Say that, O oh my Lord, if you should show me that which they are promised, meaning if the punishment for their shirk is to come upon them during my lifetime, while I am among them, then رَبِّ فَلَا تَجْعَلْنِي فِي الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ Then my Lord, do not place me among the wrongdoing people. Meaning take me out, Take me away from them before your punishment falls upon them. And Allah says, وَإِنَّا عَلَىٰ أَن نُرِيَكَ مَا نَعِدُهُمْ لَقَادِرُونَ Indeed, we are able to show you what we have promised them. So in this is a clear threat, a clear warning of Allah's punishment on who? Those who associate partners with 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those who commit the crime of shirk. And at the same time, there is a warning for those who believe that it's quite possible, it is possible that this punishment comes while you are among them. And the Prophet ﷺ is being taught here that if the punishment may come in your lifetime, then pray that you are away from such people. You are not among them. Because remember that when there is a group of people, alright, when there is a group of people who are doing something wrong and all of them are deserving of punishment, that even if there is a few among them who are not involved in that crime, but they are silently approving of it, then they are also responsible. You understand? So when we see wrong being done, what is our responsibility? That we stop it. We stop it. And if we're not able to stop it, then at least we should detest it, disagree with it in our heart. And we should also ask Allah to protect us against that crime. To protect us from the consequences that those people will suffer from because of the crime that they're committing. And in this is a reminder for us that if we are ever in a place, in a situation where wrong is being done, then what is our responsibility? Either stop it or get out of there. Either stop it or get out of there. Stop it, how? Verbally, by hand. And if that is not within your capacity, then at least disagree with it in your heart. Disagree with it in your heart. Because you see, if there is a place, alright, where there's some poisonous gas, alright, that is leaking from somewhere. If you stay in that place, is it going to affect you? Is it going to affect you? It will, right? So what do you have to do for your safety? Either put a mask on, right? And if you don't have that, then get out of that area. Correct? Because if you stay there, you're going to be affected. So likewise, sins are like a poisonous gas. If we expose ourselves to them, what is going to happen? It is going to affect us. It's going to affect our faith. It's going to affect our iman. It's going to affect our words, our thinking. So we need to have a shield. We need to have some protective guard. And if we feel that our protective guard is not that strong, we are weak, then what do we have to do? Get out of that situation. Right? What is your protective guard? Your nahi anil munkar. And if that is not within your capacity, then at least knowing in your heart that this is wrong. And trying actively, actively trying to stop it, to spread awareness about it. Right? Because if that is not done, then we are also going to suffer the same consequences. So the Prophet ﷺ is told that وَإِنَّا عَلَىٰ أَنُّرِيَ كَمَا نَعِدُهُمْ لَقَادِرُونَ ادفع بالتي هي احسن سيئه نحن اعلم بما يصفون repel by means of what is best what should you repel evil meaning the evil that you witness how should you repel it how should you stop it how should you prevent it with evil with violence how how what's the word that we learn over here احسن what is احسن best better they do evil to you, you don't do more evil in return. What do you do in return? Better, ahsan, best. You see, it's very easy to get angry and upset over the wrong that we see. Alright? And many times this anger, what does it translate into? 
violence. But this is not the prophetic way. This was not the way of the Prophet ﷺ. Remember that when Muslims are living as a minority somewhere and they see wrong being done, it is their duty to stop that wrong. If they cannot stop it, they don't have that freedom, they don't have that capacity, then they have to disagree with it in their hearts. Look at the example of the Muslims who lived in Abyssinia. Right? There was shirk over there, people were Christian. But do we see that the Muslims who migrated to Habasha, they became violent? No. Even the Muslims in Makkah, were they allowed to be violent? Not at all. They were not allowed to be violent. How is it that they resisted the munkardan, the sayi'ah? With ihsan. And what is ihsan? That you bring ihsan in your worship, you strengthen your faith, you study your deen, you gather together, you strengthen your unity, because remember the Muslims in Makkah, where would they gather? In Darul Arqam. Right? In Darul Arqam. Where the few Muslims who were in Makkah, they would gather together, learn the Qur'an, practice their faith, pray salah together, and they would do all of this in private. Why? Because they could not practice their faith publicly. If they did, that would bring problems to them. So how is it that they strengthened each other? They strengthened themselves through their unity through practicing their faith. And any time there was a confrontation with the enemy, someone came and they harassed them, what was the reaction of the Muslims? They were not allowed to be violent. What were they told? اِدْفَعْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ And if their wrong angers you, then Allah says, نَحْنُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا يَصِفُونَ We know better of what they're doing. Allah knows better of the wrong that people are doing. He has more right to be angry. He has more right to punish them. But if He has given them time, then who are we to take that time away from them? If Allah has given them the freedom, then who are we to take that away from them? That does not mean what they're doing is right. That means if Allah has given respite to people, we should not hasten punishment for them. We should not take matters in our hands. The prophetic way is, You see, there are two ways of dealing with something that you disagree with. One is that you become angry and violent. And the other is that you handle things with calmness and with gentleness. How was the way of the Prophet ﷺ? What did he do? Was he violent and angry? Or was he calm and gentle and patient and tolerant? What was his way? The second way, right? And in hadith we learn that Allah gives because of gentleness that which He does not give because of harshness. Meaning the results that you get because of gentleness, you can never attain those results through harshness and violence. Just think about it. If there is a child, he's showing a lot of bad behavior. Alright? Generally what happens, the mother is praying and the children are having the best time in their lives. You know, making noise, pulling the candies out of the cupboard and you know, making a mess, right? They know that mom cannot do anything. It happened with me yesterday, alright? I'm praying and I can hear the kids, you know, dragging the chairs up to the, you know, kitchen cupboard and opening the cupboard, okay, you take this and I'll have this and wear the scissors and you know, one pack of Rice Krispie squares and another one and I'm like, khushur, 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 right? And now what happened? I finished my prayer and I felt like, you know, giving it to them, right? But I'm like, come here. Both of you come here, sit down. And then I spoke to them gently, right? I was so angry, I can't even explain to you. But I spoke to them gently. 
You can understand. Exactly. But believe me, when I spoke to them, gently, they actually listened. They actually listened. And they apologized. I mean, my son said, I'm sorry, mama. And that comes very rarely, right? Especially from a five-year-old kid to realize their mistake and apologize. Because generally you have to remind them, right? This time I didn't have to remind him. I just explained to him the situation. And he realized his mistake. He apologized. And I understood that Allah gives because of gentleness what He does not give because of harshness. The results that you get because of your calmness, because of your gentleness, you can never, ever, ever get those results by forcing somebody and being harsh with them and fighting with them and you know being angry with them. You can never get those results out. Ever. And this is why we see that the Prophet ﷺ, how was he always? He was calm, gentle, patient, tolerant. And this is how he turned his enemies into his best supporters. The same people who hated him now were ready to give up their lives for his defense. Go ahead. DSB. I think we all are aware of that. So instead of acting violently, it's good to I advise all of you to do a petition what's happening online where you can, you know, put your information to stop what's happening. And I think that this ayah can relate to yeah. what's happening. Anything. I mean, whatever it may be that bothers us, all right, whether it's a billboard or some new bill or whatever it may be, anything that bothers us, there's two ways of dealing with it, reacting. One is be violent, angry, go and demonstrate out in the streets and burn flags and, you know, whatever. And the other is calm down and use your head. Right? Relax and talk properly. You know, once when the Prophet ﷺ did hijrah to Medina, what happened? He made Mithaqul Medina, right? The covenant of Medina. It was like the constitution of Medina. And in which he made a pact with the Muslims. Alright? A pact with the Jews and a pact with the Mushrikun. Because there were still some people in Medina, the Arabs who had not embraced Islam, who were still upon shirk. But these pacts, what happened was that it brought the entire community together. Alright? So, what happened that a few months after, the Mushrikun of Makkah, they sent a letter to the Mushrikun of Medina. Right? Abdullah bin Ubay, who was the leader of the hypocrites. Later on he embraced Islam outwardly. But in reality, he never really embraced Islam in his heart. It was all a pretense. So anyway, they wrote a letter to him and they said that you have given shelter to our sabi'un, meaning people who have left our deen. All right? And if you don't evict them, you don't fight them, then we're going to come and fight you. And we're going to take your women basically. All right? You know, this threat is there. So what happened that Abdullah bin Ubay and his companions, they got really worried. And they gathered together, they were preparing their weapons basically to go fight the Muslims in Medina. Now remember that the Muslims of Medina, who were they? The relatives, the brothers of these people, the mushrikun. Alright? So when the Prophet ﷺ found out, he didn't tell the Muslims, okay, pick up your weapons, let's go fight them. No. He went to the mushrikun, he went to Abdullah bin Ubay and his friends, and he spoke to them. He said that this threat of the people of Makkah is only a threat. It doesn't mean anything. It has reached its end. Meaning once a letter has reached you, it's reached its end. And if you fight your own people, you're actually helping the people of Makkah. 
You're not helping yourself. Are you ready to kill your own brothers, your own sons, your own relatives? Think about it. What are you doing? So they agreed with the Prophet ﷺ and the crowd dispersed and basically they decided not to fight the Muslims. So you see how the Prophet ﷺ calmed the situation down? Right? It could have been aggravated if the Prophet ﷺ resorted to violence. But he did not become violent. What did he do? He calmed the situation down with his tolerance. Right? So, إِدْفَعْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ سَيِّئَةِ نَحْنُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا يَصْرِفُونَ Allah knows what people are doing. وَقُلْ رَبِّ أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ هَمَزَاتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ And say, O oh my Lord, I seek your protection from the hamazat of shayateen, from the incitements of shayateen. What are hamazat? What does hams mean? Daghat. What is daghat? To poke. Right? To poke something. Mihmaz, which is from the same root, mihmaz, is the spur which is on riding boots. You know horse riding boots? Old fashioned, right? Especially in cartoons, you see the cowboys wearing them, right? What's at the back of the foot going inside? There's like a pointy thing, right? It's called a spur. What's the purpose of that spur? What's the purpose? That when you're riding, you hit the horse with it. You kick the horse with it. Right? So when you kick the horse with it, what is the horse going to do? He's going to ride faster. So you see what hums is? Poke someone so they jump. They can't stay put. So this is what shaitan does. That when we're hurt, when we're annoyed, he pokes us so that we react. We express some anger. We become violent. We yell. We fight. This is what shaitan wants. And what is Allah teaching us? قُلْ Say this. Say this in a sensitive situation. رَبِّ أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ هَمَزَاتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ Notice the word hamazat. Because shaitan doesn't poke you once. What does he do? He pokes you again and again and again and again. Right? And what happens? A situation that could be resolved very easily gets out of hand. Right? And then a small discussion turns into an argument which creates so many more problems. So whenever we're getting angry in any situation, start saying this. Start saying this. And for that you have to memorize this dua. Alhamdulillah, last weekend this was such an amazing reminder. Believe me, so many times this past week, I was like this close to having an argument. Alright? You know, with different people. This close, literally. You know, where you just want to explode. Alright? Because especially that anger is building up, building up, building up inside, right? So then just keep quiet, close your eyes. You know, when you want to say something, when you want to snap, and you want to give a piece of your mind to the other person, and you want to prove to them that they're wrong, say instead, Rabbi a'udhu bika min hamazat shayateen وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ رَبِّ أَنْ يَحْضُرُونَ And O oh Allah, I seek your protection, lest shayateen even draw near to me. يَحْضُرُونَ From حَضَرَ حَاضِرْ That they are present around me. Because if shaytan is present around us, is he going to stay put? Is he going to let us stay put? No, he won't. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ رَبِّ أَنْ يَحْضُرُونَ In argument, when someone else is getting heated up, and you feel the urge to fight back against them and argue back against them, 
you feel the urge to just yell out at them. If you think about not only the verse that came before, So instead of bursting out in anger, respond with something that is more calm and intelligent, something better than yelling out at them. And alongside this thought as well. Yes. Because if you think about it, when we're angry, when we show anger, when we become violent, what are we doing? Are we solving the problem? Or are we just satisfying our ego? What are we doing? Just satisfying ourselves, right? Think about the example that I gave you with my kids, right? If I got up after salah and started yelling at them, right? And in my anger, even if I smacked them, right? And took all the treats, snatched them from them and put them away and say, no more treats for one week. Okay, I'd be very, <sighs> phew. You know, that makes me happy that I satisfied myself. Is it going to solve the problem though? No. Then what's going to happen? The kids are going to go behind my back, right? And they're going to do worse things. Correct? So it's not going to solve the problem. Our focus should be on what? Not satisfying the fire that is burning in our hearts. Rather, our concern should be solving the problem. As a mother, my duty is not to satisfy my ego and assert my authority. My duty is to teach my children what is best for them. And this is something we need to remember. Yes. There was a very good example in Prophet Nabi Sallallahu life when he went to Taif mm-hmm. and the people were stoning and he was bleeding and Gabriel came that uh, should I smash these, the whole the valley? He said no, I forgive them and Khalid bin Walid was the successor of that valley and then Islam came to Asia because of the Khalid bin Walid. Uh, it wasn't Khalid bin Walid. Khalid bin Walid was from Mecca. Oh, Muhammad bin Qasim. Muhammad. Right? Muhammad bin Qasim al-Thaqafi. Because the angel of the mountains, he came with Jibreel and he said, if you want, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I will close these mountains together so this valley is finished. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam chose to forgive and he said, perhaps from their descendants, there will come those who believe and who do good. And it so happened. Idfa' billati hiya ahsan. He forgave. Go ahead. There was some uh, war, I don't remember which one it is, and um, Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu was about to stab somebody with his sword, I assume, and that person spit on him, and then he left him alone, and the person became surprised, and he said, why would you do that? He said, I was battling you for sake of Allah, but when you spit, it, you make me angered. So if I would have hurt you, I would have hurt you out of my own anger. Yes. And um, unfortunately, a lot of parents usually do respond by their action because they're angry for whatever. Yes. And sometimes they just do because they can. <laughs> yes, we assert our authority. right? And it's not only the parents who are guilty, it's even the older siblings who are guilty of this. Right? That just asserting their authority over younger siblings because I'm older than you. Right? I'm bigger than you. I know better than you. I find it very amazing how Allah's name is mentioned twice and how it says Rabbi. And subhanAllah, whenever we're angry or, you know, sad or something and you feel like you're out of yourself and the fact that it says in this verse that, Oh Allah, I seek uh, Rabbi 
You know, like, my Rabb, only you can save me from the evil of my soul. We started reading the book Makaida Shaitan today, and I was just thinking how, for us, we become mindless of Shaitan, but he's so, you know, determined that not only does he start from birth till death, but he's there all the time watching you, when can I find a little chance, and I can, you know, do waswasa, or when can I find a little chance, and I can come out to him from another way. Yes, right? very true. You know, in every situation, there is always a reason to be upset if you want to be upset. There's always a reason to be upset if you want to be upset, if you choose to be upset. And there's always a reason to be happy if you choose to be happy. So it's up to us. Which route do we take? Do we choose to be upset or do we choose to be happy? Alright? So shaitan wants us to be angry because when we're angry, then what happens? We're like a ball in shaitan's hand. And shaitan just... tosses us around, throws us around. And we hurt ourselves and we hurt other people. We create more problems for ourselves. So this is why when your nafs is out of control, when shaitan is getting the better of you, then seek refuge with Allah. Rabbi, Rabbi, oh my Lord, you protect me, you save me from my enemy. And you know this word hamazat, one meaning is to dhaqt, right? To poke. But another meaning is asr. And asr is to squeeze. I always give this example. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where your toothpaste almost finished and you have no more toothpaste in your bathroom or in the house? What do you do? You press it and press it and squeeze it and squeeze it until you get just enough to brush your teeth with. Isn't it? After all that pressing and squeezing, do you get something out? You get something out, right? This is what shaitan does with us as well. If we let him stay by our side, he will attack you again and he will squeeze you and make you angry and make you upset and make you more emotional until he gets some reaction out of you. He's not going to leave you until he makes you do something wrong. He doesn't back off. He doesn't take it easy. So what we need to do is get shaitan out of, you know, there, out of our company, away from us. And for that, we need Allah's protection. So, Rabbi a'udhu bika an yahduruni. Oh my Lord, protect me from shaitan, lest shaitan is even near me, in my company, in my presence.